On today's show, Donovan Mitchell has 45. The Cavs win in Paris. Let's dive into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use our code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your order. That's J A S E medical.com. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. The Cleveland Cavaliers, victors in Paris in the in the franchise's first game ever overseas. Mitchell has 45, 12, and 6. Jared Allen has a double-double. Karis LeVert has 21 off the bench, including some big buckets late. And the Cavs win 111 to 102, get to 9-3 and three without Garland and Mobley. We'll get to some Darius Garland news later. We'll get to some concern over Max Struess and his injury as well as he leaves this game in the first quarter and does not return with what the team deemed knee soreness in his right knee. But Evan, what's your big takeaway from Cavs-Nets? I mean, despite not having Darius Garland, Jared Allen, or eventually Max Struess, as we learned post-game, he's dealing with a regularly sore knee rather than just this being a sudden thing. Um you saw players step up, whether it was George Niang or um, Slavert, and even Sam Merrill, who started in the second half. Sure, he went 2 of 11, I believe, from three-point range, but he did hit some big three-pointers in that game. And they, at least Merrill, um, Niang, and Lavert certainly like stepped up to kind of cover some of the hustle and push that uh, Struess gives the Cavs on a nightly basis and then of course like Donovan Mitchell going nuclear helps quite a bit too but um, this was a uh, kind of a team effort in my eyes like if Mitchell obviously going off certainly kept them at arm's length away but th- they needed as much support from everyone else as possible from everyone else whether it was Niang or Lavert or um, Merrill or Allen like there was other guys who maybe weren't as big of a factor, like um, Dean Wade, but this is kind of a collective effort to win this game. And then the cherry on top is just, you know, the, the Cavs' biggest star uh, dominating and carrying them the victory. What about you? Yeah, I think it's about Mitchell. He is 45. He is, from the get-go, from the first very few moments of this game, the aggressor. He is the one attacking and attacking and attacking. It got a little... If you had issues with Cleveland's late-game efficiency and how they work at times, I don't think this game was going to dissuade you that that's an issue. It got a little bit uncomfortable late at times, certainly, but Mitchell did more than enough. Lavert, I think, hit some of the biggest shots of this game, and you get a ninth win with all these guys injured. That, that's enough right now. You know, you get Max Drews for mm-hmm. under seven minutes in this game. Mitchell has 45. Allen has a... You had a ho hum twelve and twelve and four assists, so not even in, in four blocks. Not the monster games we've seen from him, but still a very effective game. I mean, the only guy that really didn't feel like he did anything and contributing contributing was Dean Wade, who played took one shot in twenty seven minutes. Everyone else felt like they did something meaningful, and that's spearheaded by Mitchell, who 
again, had 45. He was 15 of 30 from the field, 4 12 from three, and I think most notably 11 of 13 from the line, had 12 boards as well. That, that's just the kind of win you look at here. You get up by 26. It gets closer late. It's uncomfortable. You're outscored by in both quarters in the second half, including by nine in the fourth quarter, but you still win by nine. You got out ahead early. You were awesome in the first half, and Mitchell was great. That, that's a recipe for a win in what is technically a home game. So I'll push back a little bit on the ho-hum thing with Jared Allen. I think for me, like, the box score doesn't really quantify, like, how impactful he kind of was at times. Like, I think yeah, I just, Claxton... I just mean he didn't have, like, 36 like he's had. Oh, that's, that's what I mean yeah. by ho-hum. It's not okay. that he wasn't really good. It's that he didn't have, like, 36 and 17 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I especially noticed in the third quarter, like, in the, the start of the game, the Cavs came out with, like, phenomenal energy. Like, especially... There's the time zone differences. You hear like John Michael and AC talk about like the lack of sleep the entire time. Or Channing Fry said he's on 32 or 36 hours straight of no sleep at this point. Like the seven hour or the six hour, excuse me, time difference certainly does play a big part in this, I would say. Um, I think just the fact that it's such a compressed trip because they're flying out first thing tomorrow, I'd assume, and getting back to Cleveland, whatever. But it's gonna be a it's a bit of a grind but i think that the Cavs came out with a lot of good energy like sure some of the guys kind of came out a little flat at times but they they found enough little bit of momentum points to kind of keep rolling and there were moments when mikhail bridges and the nets pulled close and made things a little bit interesting but the the Cavs kind of felt a way to at least keep the nets arms length away this entire game as you you were refusing but I think I just I was kind of impressed by that, just especially after there's no Mobley, there's no Garland. Um, Max Struess barely plays and has zero points on O of two shooting, and the, the Cavs kind of dug deep and found a way to win. I I think Lavert to me is is the encapsulation of that because he plays the whole fourth quarter. He's the only guy to do so. Mitchell played about ten minutes. Um, you know, did have twenty one in the fourth. So he deserves a lot of credit too. But Lavert's the one who hit that big three at, at a certain point. You hit the big pull-up three to kind of feel like it iced the game in a real way. Like that's Sometimes you just need plays like that. Uh, before we go to awards in the next segment, here, I'm just gonna, let's run through the rotation this game. This has sure. been an ongoing thing where we look at who, who actually plays, who doesn't. Starting lineup is Okora, Wade, Allen, and Mitchell Struess. Struess obviously only plays about seven minutes and is gone. Lavert ends up playing 34 minutes. Sam Harrell played nearly 32 minutes. Niang plays 16 and change. And Tristan Thompson, uh, before he is sent packing, played 10 minutes and got into a shoving match with Nick Claxton. What did you make of who played? And, and what do you, is there anyone in here, I guess maybe Merrill by default, because he played nearly 32 minutes, that you think is perhaps we're kind of learning that maybe as we go forward here, someone among this group is going to play more significant minutes? Well, if Dean Wade keeps up this performances like this where he's just a non-factor um i I understand like it's easier to justify maybe or not maybe but certainly playing merrill over wade but i ben cox and a few others were just like talking about this on twitter and just like how wade has taken one shot the entire game i think it was one three-point attempt but like it's just frustrating because then you watch like niang just kind of rip it and sometimes he makes it sometimes he doesn't and I don't know if it's a confidence thing or Wade has like a different under, uh, understanding of what his assignment and role is within what bigger staff and the staff want from him. But if Wade just kind of continues to be like a non-factor, like, yeah, guys like Sam Merrill, you're taking and maybe not making all your threes because, again, he went 2 of 11 against Brooklyn or George Niang. Like, I, again, understand why he's coming off the bench because I think 
just defensively, you'd overtax Jared Allen quite a bit to start the game. And I think that could maybe get Allen into some foul trouble, like, you know, just having to deal with that. But um, yeah, I just think like Dean Wade has just kind of continued to be a zero. And we talked about like hypothetical trades and how he's like probably the most likely trade candidate for Cleveland right now, at least in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And but um, yeah, like but Merrill, like kind of being thrusted in the starting line, makes sense. I think he just provides you that gravity and spacing and. He said uh, he shared with us, and bigger staff has shared with the media as well. Um, but they run just pretty much the same sets for Sam, like they do for Max Truce, like in terms of just getting him open looks on the perimeter, or you know, he just has such a quick release that like it's easy for them to kind of get him looks, and he'll just rip it right away. And the Cavs just need more of that, I think. Just even when this team is fully healthy, like it would never be a bad thing for them to have more players that are just not gun shy on the perimeter. Yeah, I think I might just want to try to ride out whatever this is and figure out how far you can stretch this Merrill thing because it's an easy button. I mean, there's, there's, there's a Mitchell. limit to it, of course. Yeah, but but I I think that might be more of like a playoff limit that you can worry about later. And if it's the next several weeks and this and him playing, even if it's 12 minutes a game, is a way for you to keep up some of what is working right now, perhaps that's worth it. I mean, Mitchell we'll just find him for easy reads and he lets it fly. Like there's something very nice about him in the five where it's even, it's even a little more like Struess is the guy at high volume. Who's of the role guys who really does let it fly. But there's something even looser about the way Merrill plays. I think in just in how he knows there's one thing he does. Struess at least you could see him put the ball on the floor at times or, or cut. Merrill does one thing and one thing only to, to, quote uh will ferrell all right yeah, coming up after this three yeah. threes baby that's what you want them to do and only threes and going to and going to the kiss store in paris which was like among the the funnier photos that i saw just like seeing all the Cavs do all the stuff max drews in an apron darius garland doing a sneaker launch with freddie gibbs or some kind of new balance event with freddie gibbs and there's sam merrill at the kiss store also enjoyed jared allen getting the the Cavs did that instagram post of like fashion week kind of riff and Jared Allen's just like in clothes and I'm sure he bought on Amazon knowing Jared Allen and everyone else is dressed up like in for style and there's Jared Allen being peak Jared Allen which which rules all right after this awards MVP we can probably guess who that's going to be stat of the night play of the night today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical I know we come to sports to escape the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, there are pharmacies running out of antibiotics right now like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone in my family, someone, one of my my cousin's kids, someone in my the extended family got sick because a supply chain issue kept them from getting life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, We'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. I personally just got over a really bad sinus infection. And you can visit jacemedical.com right now and complete your physician encounter. This will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use our offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. 
Let's go to awards. Evan, who's your MVP? Uh, my MVP in this one is, I think the obvious choices are either Jared Allen or Donovan Mitchell, but I'm going to go with Allen. And my justification is, like you said, the, the counting stats maybe don't give you much optimism, but for me, like he was obviously tasked the assignment of dealing with Nick Claxton and Jacques Vaughn and the Nets pretty intelligently, like it makes sense on paper. Started trying to force isolations, whether it was Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson or um, just anyone that the Nets wanted to throw at Allen. And like you saw Allen respond to it really well defensively. He def- they had a couple good plays where like he defended um, Mikhail Bridges almost the full 24 for a possession. And Bridges kind of heaved up a shot and it just didn't go anywhere. And it turned into a fast break bucket for Cleveland on the other end. Like Allen is just, again, really impressed me with how well he stepped up and when the Cavs need him to. And I hope this fire keeps roaring when this team is healthy, but for now, like his defense was the difference maker in this one on top of just, you know, stuffing the stat sheet this game. I'm going to go Mitchell. It's 45. It's the boards. It's the shot making. It's just the fact that he was the star guy in the star moment. I just go with him for a little bit of narrative sake, but he was for the most part, really, really good in this game. Some moments where it got a little out of hand, but some just unbelievable stuff from him and, and him coming up in the biggest moments more often than not. He's, All right, uh, let's go to... yeah. Go certainly ahead. playing like a guy who uh, seems okay with the situation in Cleveland right now. Yeah, and I I think also... That's say what you want about Mitchell. That. Yeah, no. That guy plays in the big... Like, that guy loves the big moments. And you could tell from the moment he came out in this game that he was going to try to put on a show. And I texted uh, Brendan Clean, who I do the Just Basketball show with, and I said, I think you should turn this game on if you're not already, because I think Mitchell's going to try to go for 50. He got pretty close. Um, all right, stat of the night for me. Turnover percentage for Cleveland, 10.9. That's It was A, much lower than Brooklyn's, and B, just exemplifies how well they took care of the ball. Overall, this wasn't a game where Cleveland was super efficient offensively if you look at offensive rating. And things didn't always go perfect for them offensively. Credit to Brooklyn for, I think, some good defense at points in this game, but they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't give away points to Brooklyn that allowed them to, A, get a big lead first, and then hold the lead late. So I go to that turnover percentage, 10.9% for Cleveland, and Brooklyn, again, had a much higher one. It was bad turning the ball over. Evan, what's your stat? It's an interesting stat that you just shared, but for me, um, we, we know it's not perfect. He'll never be the same point guard Darius Garland is, but to kind of like really stress that this was a bit of more of a collective effort other than Donovan Mitchell going off like he did in this game. Um, he had six assists in this game and they led to 18 points scored by the Cavs. Like, I think that's just impressive to me that he was kind of understanding just the reality of like what his and his is and isn't our, his strengths are. And I think like if he drives to the basket and kicks it out to like the common recipients were George Niang and um, Karis LeVert on the perimeter for that. And you just see that you're like, okay, he at least can kind of give that at Cavs a little bit of an extra edge. And they're still continuing to make it work um, with no Darius Garland, especially when um, Craig Porter Jr. doesn't get a second in this game against Brooklyn. So um, yeah, you know, Mitchell's playmaking was just really impressive. You know, I know he had seven or seven turnovers to go with those six assists, so it's a negative uh, assist to turnover ratio, but still good stuff from Mitchell out there, I think, playmaking-wise. Yeah, 100%. If they're going to eschew playing a real backup point guard, you're going to see him and Karis Lovert as well, I think, being asked to do some of this. This is the path they go down, even when Garland is back and playing, you know, 30-plus minutes tonight. 
All right, play of the night. Mine is a, guess what, a Donovan Mitchell play. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has a bucket in this game where he beats Mikael Bridges with a little hezzy, sidesteps Nick Claxton, gets the other side of the rim. It was explosive. It was poised. The footwork's on point. It's just one of those kind of buckets that Mitchell has in his bag that he doesn't always pull out, but he's so quick, he's so explosive, and I love when he gets to the rim and, and dices guys up like that. It's, it's not quite as fun as some of the, the dunks you could get from him, but it really worked. And this play was also just set up by a very simple thing. Sam Merrill slides through the play, hands the ball to Mitchell, cuts through to pull Cam Thomas away, and it gives Mitchell this big lane to just drive in. So shout out to this play. Shout out to Donovan Mitchell. Evan, what's your play? Well, real quick, do you think um, the Cavs are utilizing um, Sam Merrill in a way, or maybe Sam Merrill's kind of aware, like some of the ebb and flow he can impact on opposing defenses? And you saw a play like that where it peeled Cam Thomas out of the way for Mitchell to get that bucket. Like, I think that's a fun wrinkle. Um, do you think that could be something they continue to work on? Because we talked about, like, in the last segment, like Mitchell, or sorry, not Mitchell, um, Merrill. Uh, takes a lot of threes and you hope he makes a lot of threes but if he's able to kind of get more of an on-court impact like that's a bit more justifiable to giving him minutes because i I would assume he is on scouting reports because he has played so much um, over like the last 12 or so games for cleveland yeah i think this is now going to be in some version of of what they do and i think on top of that as well i think you could see them do this with different guys they do it with struce they've done it with niang although it's a little bulkier obviously because george niang is a forward but I could see them doing with Darius Garland. I don't, you know, Darius, I think, is going to have, based on what JB, JB gave some quotes recently that uh, came out via Joe Varden at the Athletic, because Joe's the, in Paris and is talking to the team, and just talked about how they're going to maybe need to do some different stuff. And I think there's a world where you see Darius come back, and Darius is the one slipping through and, and pulling his defender away to create lanes for Mitchell. That could create just some more connectivity between those two guys and I would I would be curious to see if that's something they maybe just have Garland do much less more of Sam Merrill or Max Struess but it, and, and there's also just a benefit here I think of you only have the one big on the floor in these sets so there is just a, a lot of other shooting if you look at back at this play it's Merrill Mitchell um Lavert Allen and Wade I believe or a core might be a core not not Lavert and there's just a lot more room. So there's just something in here that I think they will need to find a way to, to build on. But Evan, what's your play? Uh, play of the night is just the Karis LeVert dagger. I think he has been on a bit of a hot streak lately. And it was just a nice shot, nice play. It's, I'm, like I've said before, for some plays of the nights for me, or plays of the game for me, rather. Um, I'm a simple man. If I see a hype play like that, and that was certainly, in terms of a lot of highlight plays, especially from Donovan Mitchell, that's the one that really stood out for me. It, it was either that or... Allen defending Mikhail Bridges for almost a full 24. Those are my two choices, and I think the Levert one was just a little bit more exciting for me. Yeah, the Allen one also, though, but just him keeping up with wings is... Very, anytime I get you see big switching on wings like that, I'm always fascinated, and that was Jared oh, it gives Allen. Me, best it gives me pause every time, but then they just figure it out. I'm like, nice. Yeah, it's... it's I, the. You, you remember Tristan? People remember Tristan from the first time he was in Cleveland. <laughs> that was like one of the things that he it was like one of his like real niches. And now it's uh, shoving it at Claxton, which honorary play of the night when you just, for whatever reason, if you go back to last year, at least the last three, Okoro game winner is last year. Yeah, the Cam Thomas in like the, the opener where the Cavs won by one open this season. And then this game involves a, a another injury and B, you get a little, a little scuffle. So some 
just for whatever reason, these games have popped off and been a little bit fun, which sometimes yeah, you, that's all you can ask for out of a January NBA game. Yeah, and also like you don't really expect that from a Brooklyn Nets team that is five now six games under five hundred, but like they they are and they were on a bit as a slide heading into this one, but like they have been playing well in some of these matchups, and maybe it's just Cleveland is a team that they kind of match up better against compared to others, and yeah, at least like you said, it makes it entertaining for an early January game. Um, yeah, and I have a note on this early January game in the last segment. Yeah, all right. We'll open with that to start segment three. We'll give you the latest on Darius Garland and opine a little bit about Max Drews and what it what we don't know very much, but what is going on with him as of right now? And what the what the Cavs could do with him out of their lineup. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest. DFS platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you could watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league. That is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. And you can also play alongside some of PrizePick's favorite players like the rapper Meek Mill and the comedian Andrew Schultz under the Community Plays promo tab. Go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And by the way, they now have Apple Pay if you want to use that to make your initial deposit. All right, Evan, what was the, what's the point you had about this January game as we open up segment three here? I think early afternoon NBA games are great because we can wrap them up early. Um, and I still have my whole, like, once we wrap up the show, Chris knows my plans for off the air, but I have my whole evening ahead of me and, like, it's exciting. So I think, uh, obviously, it's different when you're covering it in person. Um, you're going to be at the, especially if you have to do a story and have a deadline, like, soon after the game's over. But, this is uh this was nice. I, I would encourage the NBA to have more of these um for now on, just like early day games, especially when the NFL season's over. And I'm sure they will, but I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think they're practical for the weekday if you wanna like sell tickets. I think that's kinda why oh, they're not yeah. a thing. Yeah, weekend for but the weekend is even nice too, because like well, if it's a Sunday one PM game, like you and I wrap up the show by six thirty seven or so, I have a bit to unpack mentally and deal with the quote-unquote Sunday scaries before uh, they really start to pop off versus like getting home at 10, finishing up at 11.30 midnight, and then just pretty much going to bed because my battery's on empty. Yeah, I'm all for it. I they're just I think obviously this hap- this game happens. I don't even know what time it was locally, but it's it's uh it was 8 p.m. uh yeah. time. So it was a normal time for that game technically speaking. Yeah, but yeah, during the week it, there's I always find like even funny now they do like some of the MLB games during the day cuz I'm like it's like you're just it's just tickets, you know, get those. All right, uh and NFL obviously has a big impact on that for the NBA to do those on weekends and mm-hmm. college football. As well, all right. I Max Struess will start yeah, there. Go um, doesn't play seven minutes. Yeah. Leaves with knee soreness. Seems like he's been dealing with it. Maybe he sits a game or two. 
obviously not optimal that another Cav is just dealing with an injury for a team that is obviously down to big players. But if this isn't significant, it's likely not a big deal to worry about. Who would you have start? Let's just say he doesn't play Monday when they're back in action against Chicago. Who would you start in his place? Um, I would probably start Sam Merrill because during his availability in Paris, um, Karis Levert said like for this team, his expected role is to be the sixth man. And I think you'd want to start Levert in most circumstances, but like JB Bickerstaff is more or less defined Mer- or, uh, Levert's role, even though Levert then said like, I think I could be a starter in this league. So interesting note, but um, either way, like, yeah, just stick with Merrill, maybe run similar sets and things you do with uh, Strews, which the Cavs already do try to do with Merrill. And then, just continue to empower Karis Levert as like your lead bench guard and just kind of let him continue to find his groove in that spot because you just don't want to rock the boat too much. And yeah, I, I'd at least say like Baker staff didn't give like a clear answer on whether or not he'd play Monday, but he's like, we'll keep an eye on him and we'll see how he's feeling. But apparently this sore knee is something he's been dealing with before this game and he wanted to come back in against uh brooklyn and jb said he wanted to save max from himself so they shot him down for the game because it just wasn't necessary sit in monday play the long game that's all yeah, you can do with it i think what who do you think they'd start Merrill. Uh, i'll go Merrill. Merrill. yeah yeah i, I think especially just, if i think especially just because you need the shooting and that's kind of the guy you would play um Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, you could tell me you could go Levert and just want the ball handler, and because Struce has like some responsibility with that to some degree. But I think Merrill just for the one-to-one shooting comp and and all that. But at the same time, the other bit of Cavs news is that Darius Garland is about at his month of being out, and he he's not going to be back Monday, which would have been the actual month. But it seems like he will miss a couple more games, and then perhaps could be back. That in itself is really encouraging news for Cleveland that they're going to wade through this injury crisis a little bit and get their all-star caliber point guard back. Um, Evan, what's your thoughts on on Garland, perhaps him, Gak, and and the idea that maybe they're starting to wade through some of these injuries and actually get back to a, fu- a full-strength feeling team? So on January 12th, they technically would hit the four week mark from the announcement we don't know when garland had surgery but it was four weeks from that point but we'll just say the 12th was the four week window that the Cavs initially gave and then bickerstaff was asked about this by somebody in the media scrum after the game um and they said do you expect Darius to play on monday and he said no and i expect him to be out for a few more games so looking ahead he would not play mlk day against chicago he would not play at home against the bucks uh, and then the Cavs are off until they're on like a weird game and like one week i want to say even longer road trip um where they play the hawks they play the magic and then they play the bucks two games in three nights there could be an opportunity to get garland back out there whether it's against atlanta who is not good defensively maybe it's a good way to get him comfortable but then you look at orlando and then playing milwaukee twice I don't know if you want to risk like testing out that new jaw and letting him get hit in the face by teams that are very good and lengthy defensively. So we'll, we'll see. I, again, the, this Cavs organization is a team that always errs on the side of caution when it comes to the injuries. Um, when they touched down in Paris, they did a video of them walking to the hotel, and you can clearly tell um, 
Garland's jaw is still wired shut because when you say bonjour, your mouth and teeth naturally open. But he said it while gritting his teeth. And I was like, yep, his jaw is still wired shut. So he also may not be able to get the wire removed until he's back in Ohio as well. So who knows? But yeah, this is a team that always errs on the side of caution. And he just kind of like validates my thought that like Evan Mobley realistically probably won't be back until after the All-Star break. So he can make sure his knee is okay and he is in, in game shape to play again. Cavs schedule, as you mentioned, Monday against Chicago, Wednesday at home against Milwaukee, and then the four-game road trip is Saturday the 20th against Atlanta, Monday the 22nd against Orlando, the 24th in Milwaukee, and then Friday the 26th in Milwaukee again before they come home on the 29th and play the Clippers. So they get through the Bulls, who it's a very winnable game, and the Hawks are not very good either, but three games against the Bucks, a game against Atlanta, and a game against the Clippers, who are legitimately very good, and I think a title contender at this point. Like you have a very, it's look, it's for whatever reason, Ty lose a, a magic whisper, perhaps, but really tough stretch coming up. Getting Garland back in this run, I think, would be something of a boost, and at the very least, it gives you a lot of time to at least some games before the All Star break in February, um, to to integrate him and get a little bit of momentum, perhaps, going into the break. And there are some tough games after that stretch as well. You know, you do get the Pistons and the Grizzlies and the Spurs again and whatnot, but you got the Kings in there. The Nets always play the Cavs stuff. The Cavs have them in Brooklyn. You got Philly in there. Um, you got the Magic again um, right after the All-Star break too. So there's a lot of competitive basketball coming up for Cleveland. Getting healthy would be a big deal and counting down the days to Darius Garland returning. And for his, you know, I'm sure for him, just getting the jaw out of your wire, that probably will pretty darn good. Or eating Garland. solid food for like the first time forever. Would probably Sounds, feel amazing. Yeah, just being able to like not feel like Cause, you're because JB said monster. his biggest concern was just like Darius is gonna drop weight because like his caloric yeah. intake is gonna go down dramatically because of this. So like just, and already a smaller guard to begin with, who is was a little beefier, like muscular muscle wise heading into the season, like that could be part of the concern too, is like they need him to get his weight back up a little bit and just to make sure like he safely doesn't aggravate anything else or, you know, have another injury because they rushed him back. Yeah, just get Darius Garland on the weight gain or like three scoops of protein powder and some whole milk kind of protein shake energy. I think just that's cream, baby. To... Straight cream. <laughs> just straight full fat milk protein. With whey just protein. throw some eggs in there. Yeah, just yeah. three scoops, like a thousand calories. Like if you go on Instagram, you can very easily find like guys who are bulking in the winter, and they're just like, "Here's my thousand calorie, two hundred gram protein shake." Just get Darius like three of those a day. The Cavs have people that make smoothies after games. They can because you see guys come into media sessions with make sure they uh, load it with fiber Darius's. too. So yeah, yeah, just get you know, cover them up, just get some fruit in there. Obviously, that's gonna be very painful that combination. Yeah, but you know, bulk it's bulking season prep for Darius Garland as he's on a liquid diet. We're going to end there. That's going to be the Lockdown Cavs for the week. We'll be back on Monday getting you ready for the the busy stretch ahead, getting you ready for Cavs Bulls. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the hoops, and we'll talk to you on the other side.